0: Hey Rockheads, if you haven't already checked out Music to Code By, you really should, especially if you need to focus on anything, like programming. But it's great for kids doing homework, great for reading, great for writing, anything that you need to focus on. The results speak for themselves. I've got hundreds of satisfied customers. Go check out their comments and more at mtcb.pwop.com.
1: Dotnet Rocks Episode eleven hundred and forty one with guest Atley Hunter Recorded Friday, may eighth, twenty fifteen.
0: Thank you very much and welcome back to Dotnet Rocks. It's Carl Franklin. I'm here in
1: New London, Connecticut. Richard, where are you? I am in Chicago. It's the end of Ignite, and I figured we'd make a couple of shows before I flew home.
0: That's awesome. You having a good show? I'm, I'm a little under the weather. That's why I sound kind of raspy. But uh Oh, my. I'm not really under the weather. I just got that when it warms up out here on the East Coast after a long, a long winter and all the bugs just, you know, they come out of hiding and they attack.
1: Yeah, it might be a little histaminic reactions, right? A little a bit. All, everything's yeah, bursting yeah. into life. Um, Ignite was massive, man You can't imagine how big a 22,000 person show is It's a lot of people 22,000 people? Yeah. Holy moly And back to back with Build I'm just about bourboned out
0: Yeah, I bet Well, <laughs> let's roll the music Because I got something really interesting That you might be We all might be interested in here For Better no Framework Awesome, dude <laughs>
1: Alright, buddy, what do you got?
0: All right, you can probably guess from the URL, tinyurl.com slash $9 PC. No. Next Thing releases world's first $9 computer. They started a Kickstarter on May 7th. It's uh, more powerful than a a Raspberry Pi B, and uh, it's called Chip. Nine bucks runs Debian. Nine bucks. One gig R8 ARM processor, 512 megs of RAM, 4 gigs of EMMC storage. And uh, equal to BeagleBone Black in clock speed RAM and storage. I don't even know what a BeagleBone Black is, but there you go.
1: (laughs) So it's a Kickstarter project. Yeah. Well, I hope they can get it built. They clearly, they blew out their goal. No two ways about that
0: yeah and you know we're recording this on the eighth, so they blew out their goal in a day.
1: yep, yeah. well, yeah. everybody wants a nine dollar computer. It's just a question of whether you can build a nine dollar computer.
0: Well, you know, they say they can because of they've got a really good relationship with some Chinese manufacturers and stuff, and they've they've got the deal in place, so well, well yeah, cool. There you go. Get the chip set down cheap. Hey, one other thing, Richard, you still have your Tom bin brain bag? I do. Yeah, I still have mine and, uh, somebody was asking me about it, like, you know, oh, did you get a new bag? And I said, new? No, I've, I've had this bag for like 10 years. Yes. Um, it's, I looked at it the other day just to, you know, and I've literally had this backpack for a laptop bag for 10 years, as have you. And I looked at it the other day and I, I can't find
1: any. Like tears or ripples or anything in it. And let's just be clear: you abuse the shit out of that bag. Oh You've yeah, got like thirty pounds of stuff in that bag. That bag takes a beating.
0: It really does, and uh, I I just love it. So Tom Bin, I, I, where are these guys in Seattle?
1: Yeah, still in Washington State, still building. I think it's out of Port Angeles, uh, yeah. and they and they actually manufacture in the U.S. They're still doing their thing. After all these years. So, just another shout out
0: to our friends there. It's Tom Bin, T-O-M-B-I-H-N. And quite literally, Richard and I have had these bags for 10 plus years. It is the last bag you'll ever buy. Last bag you'll ever buy.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, who's talking to us, my friend? Grabbed a comment off of show 1012, the one we did with one Atlee Hunter, where we talked about making money on mobile. And a few great comments on that one, but I love this one. This is from Emile Montestemi, who says, "Uh, This is great. I have been working on my first Windows Phone app, and I hope to publish sometime in August. We recorded the show in July last year. I learned a lot from this show. I really think that Windows Phone will gain market share as long as there are enough low-priced devices out there. I see more and more people using Windows Phone, and that's a great thing. And I agree with John Marshall, who earlier in the comments deck said, we should bring back Atlee for show 1024, because that was show 1012 that we <laughs> recorded on. We missed. This is show 1141, so that's almost 1024, <laughs> but close. <This> close,
0: <laughs> Like 1024, but different.
1: Yeah. But yes, we'll bring him back, because here he is. Emil, mm-hmm. I hope your app went well. Write us back and let us know. Uh, that you got your app out in the world and that you're making some money from it because that's really cool stuff. And I'm going to send you a .NET Rocks mug to boot. So if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps because we've got them for Windows Phone 7 and 8, iOS, Windows 8, and Android. And that brings
0: us to Atlee, one of the most prolific modern UI developers in the world. Atlee Hunter splits his days between creating cool new apps for Windows phones and tablets and sharing what he has learned via Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and numerous in person events. And he's been on the show many times. Welcome back, Atley.
2: Hey guys. It's good to be back.
0: So your does your palette of platforms is it expanding these
2: days? I've done a couple of apps for uh, other platforms, but it's mostly things that I've done for charities or, or things where someone's needed help that they couldn't really get the app out on other platforms. So I try to, you know, throw together a Xamarin project and, and help them out across different platforms. But for my own stuff, I'm still sticking to the Windows platforms.
0: Oh, very cool. What are you up to lately? Uh, number wise? No, no, no. What? Are, what? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question, actually, you know. Um most people respond with, well, I've been working on this project. You're like, how many?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it tends to be the, note that the question people ask me. I actually just started my 750th project today.
1: Okay, wow. man.
2: Wow. <laughs> yeah, so.
1: So the insanity continues.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not abating. It's actually getting worse.
1: <laughs> and what is it exactly?
2: Um, It's a game. I've actually started working on a framework for creating uh, – games where people play against each other online. So now I've created a framework for doing that. Now I can just start pumping up new games in a couple of days. So so I'm going to put in a number of different uh, games you get to play against other people with.
0: And are, are these games all sort of the same? Do they look the same or is this framework Oh no,
2: no, 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 they're all completely different. The framework basically handles the things like uh passing the game data back and forth between the players, handling the scoring, handling the leaderboards, handling all the all the basic components of the game, but the the games are completely different. So one's about shapes and colors, one's a um uh image making game, another one's a, you know there's there's a bunch of different games. Okay.
0: Well, what are your thoughts about all this new stuff that we learned about at Build and where Windows Phone is going? What do you what do you think in these days?
2: Oh, I think that uh well a couple a couple of the big takeaways. I think that everybody's excited about the wrong thing that they heard at Build. Which is the biggest announcement is probably the one that's sort of getting the least press. Um, I think the biggest game changer right now is the continuum. Yeah, okay. Because I think that that's got the potential, if if implemented and and uh, executed properly, to actually be the next thing that changes the way we compute.
0: Now, just for the sake of disclosure, let's talk about Continuum. This is the way that you can use a a Windows Phone or a small device and plug in a a, a keyboard and mouse and and a monitor, and all of a sudden it's a full size. Well, the UI anyway expands to. Take up the monitor, and it's like you're using a desktop.
2: Yeah, basically, what happens is the applications are built with the idea of uh, of recognizing the the view frame and the and the scenario um, more than anything else that they're executing under, and then take on um, the ability to add more features, add different UI, add different interaction capabilities based on. How, uh, how you're, the user is able to view it. And I think that realistically that could lead to a lot of driving of new technologies, increasing, um, the drive on improving battery life on small devices, increasing the spacing on the amount of storage space on small devices, a number of really interesting innovations that could lead to, you know, the next thing in computing if it's executed properly.
0: Now, have they said anything about the hardware that we're going to need in order to turn a Windows phone into the desktop experience? I, I'm, this is all enabled, by the way, because of the universal app, right? You build a universal app. That one binary goes everywhere in the Windows uh, ecosystem. Yep. But, but, you know, I, I get the fact that I want just to be able to carry around my phone. And then when I sit down, I plug it in. But am I going to be carrying around a, a little monitor keyboard and and mouse as well do you know what i mean isn't a laptop much easier for that
2: well i think that this is probably going to be the type of thing that um is great for things like business travelers or for people that are uh constantly moving in different areas for meetings where they can literally just bring their their personal device they're carrying anyways into the boardroom or into the office, hook it up and do their PowerPoint presentations, show their graphs, show their spreadsheets. Um, business travelers can connect to a, a hotel system and hotels can now have a, a, an area that's much bigger at a much lower cost that can handle more, you know, they could, they could put at a lower cost, basically the, the ability to handle things for business travelers a lot easier. Then also business travelers would only have to carry things like a small keyboard which we'll probably see the reemergence of things like folding keyboards uh, that we saw back in the Pocket PC compact days. Yeah. I'll have one of those compact uh, folding keyboards and still a fantastic device well made.
0: I guess my my thought here is that what's easier to carry, a little, you know, a Zenbook or something or you know, a little keyboard and stuff and hope that the place that I'm going has the connections that I need in order to make a PC experience. I guess I guess I'm not sold on that.
2: Yeah, I, I see I see probably the, the case where we're probably going to see the emergence of um, things like uh, a single dongle that will handle a, a virtual keyboard. And then you'll use the device itself, your phone or whatever, as as a mouse, the track the mouse the phone will turn into the trackpad.
1: Yeah, I would think because the whole point of this continuum idea is that you have you that wherever you go with your phone, there's a bigger screen. Wouldn't anybody who has a bigger screen also have a keyboard and a mouse and so forth? And you'd you'd plug into a single plug. That's just a USB connector and the video connector. And then you've basically got yourself a PC that runs off your phone
2: yeah I think that i can I can sort of see that scenario as well, but I think that sort of the evolution of this, I think that we're going to see a couple of generational evolutions of this where yeah there'll be there'll be a requirement pretty much for the places where you go that have the screens. We'll have keyboards, hotels will probably have keyboards you can sign out, or um people and and if I was a business traveler, throwing a keyboard in my in my luggage and just carrying my phone with me when I'm around is a lot easier than carrying a laptop with me.
0: Well, it's a different experience though, I
2: guess. It's a, it is a different experience. I,
0: I'm not sold and, and let's just leave it at the fact that I'm not sold on the consumer story, but on the business story where I do have control over my environment and I can mm-hmm. have those things at every desk in every, you know, coffee shop, coffee place or meeting room or whatever. That makes a lot more sense to me.
2: hmm. Well, I, and I definitely I do see it as a sort of a business first solution. Um, I see it as an interesting thing where Continuum could also expand to handle things like tablets where you could have your tablet, which would have enough room to actually have a keyboard on it. Um And then seeing that uh put out to a bigger screen. So you could have a smaller tablet, like an eight inch tablet would be a much better device for doing this on than, say, uh this, a five inch phone or a six inch phone. Okay. Yeah, you know, an
1: interesting idea on the tablet approach is what if the tablet became the keyboard when you plug it into a bigger screen? Yeah, and that's yeah,
2: that's totally what I would see in that scenario as well.
1: Yeah, that's it. That, that that's kind of a cool thought. I mean, the funny part for me is the computer's the smallest part of the equation. Once you have a screen and a keyboard, mm. why wouldn't they just supply the computer too?
2: Yeah. And the computer's the most expensive part of the equation though.
0: 9 bucks, Allie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. You have one. You have one announcement like a week, and then a week later, there's another announcement that makes that other ob- announcement just about obsolete. And it's yeah.
0: ridiculous, isn't it?
1: <laughs> but even without the nine bucks, I still think the monitor is the most expensive piece. A monitor is a few hundred dollars. Yeah, and you can get a decent PC for a hundred dollars.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I just, I just see, um, I see an interesting possible paradigm shift in how we compute when we start to when we start to exchange layout based on position or 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 where we are and, and what we're trying to do i think that it will it could lead to so much bigger things that i agree i love the hollow lens but for me it's still uh it's still very much uh it's almost like a technical solution looking for a problem yeah, well,
1: the HoloLens solves the monitor problem. Now I just yeah. can put a monitor wherever I want. Just wear these yeah. stupid goggles, and you're fine.
0: Yeah. You know, maybe that's where Continuum is going. You know, you plug your phone into your HoloLens, and now you've got... Well, you know, but the HoloLens is
1: a PC, so...
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: But it's probably spending an awful lot of its compute power doing the screen rendering.
0: My friends and I have actually spent a lot of time brainstorming you know, what could be done with HoloLens? And I'm not so sure. I think it's a solution in looking for a problem. I, I, I can see a lot of ways that it can augment and, and help in, in do, help us do things that weren't possible before. I think it's just going to take a little imagination.
2: Well, I think that I think yeah, I think that we're sort of not there at the point where we're we're used to thinking that way. I, I can yeah. see a lot of scenarios where I can think of lots of great applications and a lot of things that I would love to do with it. But uh, I'm trying to think of how it would change everyday computing.
0: Yeah, and we we have to be careful that we don't just do things for the sake of cool the cool factor, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we we sort of saw what happened with Google Glass, and and sort of how that sort of went. And so, um, while I think the HoloLens is a much different implementation of that type of a scenario, um, yeah, you're definitely right. We, we don't want to just like, oh, now we have to do, be able to do Word in the middle of our living room, hanging out in the middle of a wall. Yeah. Right. It's not necessarily the right case for it. There are some excellent cases for it, but, um, we've, you know, we've got to look at see. Ideally, I think that the HoloLens will really come into play when we can do it without putting something on our head.
0: In other words, implants.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I know where you're going, Atlee. <laughs> no, but something more of a proje- projection style. But I, again, then you're not carrying it around with you. I mean there's there's a bunch of different there's a bunch of different scenarios where if we could project something out, maybe something uh, that was able to project onto any piece of glass or something.
0: Have you seen the Room Alive thing that they did? It the Kinect team did.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool.
0: Now what? Just to give you an idea of what, what it is that I saw here is they have three or four projectors and three or four connects sitting on top of the projectors and the connects do the real world mapping stuff where they map all the objects in the room. And then the projectors, uh, how should I say this? They project in such a way that it looks like there's a 3D object hovering in the room. You know what I mean? They skew the images yeah. just yeah. so. So that they wrap around all the stuff that's in the room, and what, you're end up, what you end up with is something that looks like it's just
2: hovering there. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. pretty scary. It's a pretty awesome <laughs> effect. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy that uh, it, it as technology increases, it gets harder and harder to trust what we actually see.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the scary part of it too. It's like, what am I seeing, and is this real, and you know, how can how can I trust it?
2: I think that's when we get into something that's more of a um, reality becomes our perception. Which has always been the case. It's
1: just now we're very aware of the fact that there's alternative realities that we can create. I think there's different depths to reality. We have to look at reality in a different definition. Well, Room Alive is very much a a Microsoft research project. Who knows if it's going to become a product or not, but uh, I'd buy one. Oh, so would
2: I. In a heartbeat.
1: And I wonder if... Holo, you know, the problem with Google Glass is, is that not just that it was weird, it was sort of aimed at consumers, and it didn't do a lot. So your reward for looking like an oddball was pretty low. I appreciate that Microsoft has gone very business-oriented with the HoloLens, mm-hmm. which is... Even, in some ways, I don't know if it's more weird or less weird, because it's so much bigger than than Google Glass ever was. But I have to wonder... You know, like there's people out there that just won't buy drive a BMW because look at the people who drive BMWs. I don't want to be associated with those people. Mm-hmm. Until you get to, like, the M5, the sort of top-of-the-line supercar that BMW builds, you're know, like, I don't care what you think, that's the greatest car ever. Like, if HoloLens is compelling enough, nobody's going to care what it looks like.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree, and it, it's um... – there's there's sort of a, a level that it has to reach to sort of hit that, that general acceptance. I think one of the biggest problems Google Glass had, too, is that they aimed it at consumers, but then the price was way too high for the, right. what you could do with it. And they trickled it out, too. They made so few available that it always
1: came across as sort of an elitist device that was easy to hate.
2: Yeah. Sure, it's a big old marker. Yeah. It immediately became a douche marker. <laughs> That's yeah. right. <laughs> Don't be a glass hole. Don't be a glass hole. Exactly. <laughs> well, and then there was also the issue with what was it recording and where was that information going? And right. then places started to restrict the, the ability to use them in their their areas because of fears of that. But I wonder if that was just a response to the
1: glass right? Like that at first you disliked it, then you found reasons why you wanted to
2: dislike it. Oh, exactly. Well, yeah. If, if you find that you generally dislike something, you find a reason to control it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. If your reason for fearing a technology is based on a movie or something, you really haven't thought it through.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. I think that the 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 announcements that that everybody's focusing on are the the abilities to bring projects from other platforms to Windows, which is a I think is a fantastic move.
1: Well, and that's work you've done too, right? Like you've done a lot of work getting apps from other platforms onto say Windows Phone. Yeah. So do you like these new options? Like could the the I mean do you buy in this idea if I could take an iOS app and just recompile it onto Win Phone?
2: Well, I think there's going to be there's obviously going to need to be some work done because you're going to have to point things at, you know, at, you know, the Bing maps and you're going to have to do different things with different components will have to be obviously Uh, modify to to and you know be able to consume different services and different uh different sensors and abilities and different things right um so it won't be completely work free i think it's very similar to the um you know the WinJS html was you know to make it easier for web developers to bring their apps over to the platform um but it wasn't a simple matter of just recompiling your website as a as an app um, there's going to be some work involved. It won't be as intensive as, you know, the WinJS scenario, I don't think, uh, from, from what I've seen. But, uh, it won't be work free, but it will be, um, a much closer scenario. And it'll also be, you'll be able to do it in the language that you're used to programming. So I think that the big win for that is to allow corporations that, um, maybe weren't thinking of targeting Windows platform to more easily target Windows platform with with the projects that they had already done for the other platforms. But also I think the bigger win is the fact that those programs, projects have a better chance of being properly maintained. Because I think the biggest problem that I see with the platform right now is that projects do come over uh, from other platforms and then they, you know, they get one version, they maybe get a couple of small updates to fix things that were crashing or breaking, but then they don't really keep any feature parity. And I think this will help bridge some of that gap uh, much more effectively. So I think that that's sort of the big win with those, is that not only can you bring a project over more efficiently and and more cleanly, but it'll also be easier to maintain that project with a skill set that you already have in-house or that you're already using. So Project Island would then really is just
1: bringing iOS developers, Objective-C developers into studio rather than providing a way for studio users to work in Objective C. Uh
2: yeah, I think it's I think it's more yeah, I think it's more that way. I don't think it's it's more of um but that's just that's just my perception yet. Again it's it's fairly yeah. early days, right? Um but I think it's 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 all about sort of helping bridge the gap for some of those those bigger apps and some of those people that want to bring something to another platform. And I think that it's it's all about helping erase the reasons why uh consumers may not be choosing the platform and uh, i think that if they're able to do what they want to do with uh with windows 10 and that's to make something that you know many more consumers are more comfortable with and and enjoy more i think you'll see a lot more tablet sales and as you see more tablet sales come you'll see more phone sales come as well
0: do you really think that's true though i mean i, I i'm looking at it from the perspective of we don't target Windows Phone right now. And mm-hmm. I need a really good reason to target Windows Phone. And it's certainly not the number of Windows Phone users.
2: Well I think that I think the big thing is that um also with targeting it if they make it easier to target the platform in general. Um, now the one the one thing that it won't bridge is it won't automatically make your Windows phone or your your iOS phone app uh an I a Windows platform app that you know recognize the screen differences and everything else that would have right. to be something you'd have to incorporate and, and allow in your, in your project itself. Um, again, like I said, none of us have really had a lot of access to this or, or, or really worked with it. So it's really hard to say exactly what's going to be possible. So, um, but I think that, I think that the target's probably going to end up being, uh, platform the platform target will probably be more um, Windows 10 in general yeah or more Windows 10 for platform desktop. Yeah I tend to agree with that.
0: I, I think that Windows 10 overall in the ecosystem makes a lot of sense and if you're mm-hmm. running Windows 10 yeah that that's especially in the enterprise I think that that's uh, and you know the Microsoft announced that Windows 10 will have a, a, a private app store right like a yeah. what do they call it a store portal? So Microsoft uh, Windows 10 Enterprise will allow you to set up your own store Mm -hmm. and build your own apps and deploy them. And honestly, let's compare that to iOS and Android. Was the the accessibility part a problem for Windows Phone in the past? Was that a problem? I, I certainly know that ease of development wasn't a problem. I mean we had the best development tools everywhere. That wasn't an issue. Was what was it an issue and is it still an issue that we can't easily deploy apps that we write in-house onto our phones?
2: I think I think that there were um if 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 not issues, there were concerns and, and the messages weren't very clear in exactly how that was best done. Um, there were certain restrictions in what you could do and what you couldn't do.
0: When I say issue, Atlee, did that contribute to the downward spiral in Windows phone usage?
2: See, the funny thing is I hear a lot of talk about downward spiral in Windows phone usage, but I watch my own downloads and, and the money that I'm making, and I'm not seeing that reflected necessarily. Well, you so. are
0: you are definitely an anomaly, but you know the, in terms of percentage of market share... Um, you know, in America, anyway, and let's yeah, be clear, yeah. because in other countries, Windows Phone is really popular. Yeah, no, I know. Was that an issue with, uh, you know, American corporations not embracing Windows Phone?
2: I think that there were. I think there were some challenges at the beginning with getting any kind of um, corporate licensing or or private storing or, or or any of those scenarios. And I think that what happened was um, there might have been a little bit of a. Um, a failure to, to launch in, in some, some ways in that respect and making that, um, available and then clear how it was available. And so at the time it affected corporations getting those projects underway and getting them out. And so then they just moved to other platforms. So that mm-hmm. be my best sort of, uh, you know, not having expressly dealt with many of those scenarios personally. Um, that would be my best interpretation of what I saw from, from talking to other developers is that there were challenges and, and when the, by the time the challenges were fixed, well, it was sort of past yeah. the, the relevance point for a lot of, lot of situations. And so then you already had iOS or Android, um, installations in place. And so it ends up, um, enterprising corporates uh, for me is a hard, is always a hard nut to crack just because they're, their adoption is usually so slow for things yeah uh, once they once they hit a technology they want to they want to sit with it for a while um it's one of the reasons why i left corporate life i didn't like working on 10 year old technology <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. i literally quit two jobs to get away from net 2.0 wow um,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but
1: you know yeah yeah I, what i was giggling at there was you said the downward spiral of win phone i said when and i was thinking when does win phone ever spiral up I don't count yeah. the CE phones. They were they weren't smartphones. They were feature phones with extra technology in them.
0: Yeah, you're right. That's probably a bad choice of words. I mean, maybe maybe it's just because it didn't get off the ground is probably a better. It didn't match the other platforms in terms of usage. Let's put it that way.
2: Yeah, I think I think that the adoption has been slow, and I think that there's been uh, there's been some definite you know challenges to it. Um, I know I know the whole. It's, it's really funny. I know that the whole argument about, you know, why a new feature, like a new flagship phone hasn't come out because they cost a lot of money and they don't usually make back the money that they, you know, put in them unless you sell a ton of them. But the visibility that they create and the, uh, sort of the, the wow factor they create actually helps sell your lower model phones, um, in a lot of cases. So I, I see sort of challenges where, because I, I know that the market's been questioning and asking about where's the next feature phone, where's the next feature phone. And realistically, I'm actually really glad they didn't announce a new one at Build, just because um if they'd announced it at Build, but then it wasn't going to be ready until Windows 10 came out. And then there'd be months going on. By the time they do announcement, they get that big flash, then they do release it. It basically falls flat i think that's what happened with uh with the 1520 in a lot of cases they announced it months before it was available yeah and then and then by the time you got it, it was like yeah yeah well whatever okay we were excited about four months ago
1: hey richard yeah buddy you know what time it is uh it must be that happy time again
0: yeah it's time to put on a hollow lens and go back in time and remove all the glass holes from the space-time continuum
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, Telerik DevCraft is the most complete .NET toolbox for web, mobile, and desktop development. With the addition of UI for Xamarin to the DevCraft bundle, you can create compelling native mobile experiences with your C# skills. Download a free trial at tinyurl.com/devcrafttrial.
1: All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Chester Burbridge. Hey, for Chester. Golf clap for you, sir. Sorry, Burbidge,
0: not Burbridge. Chester Burbage. Burbage. He knows who he is. Yeah. Chester just won the uh, Telerik Devcraft Collection. A big pile of awesome from our friends at Telerik. And uh, if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .netrocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors, and every December, we give away a $5,000 shopping spree in technology to one lucky member of the .netrocks fan club, but you got to sign up to win. Atley, it's your turn. If you had five grand to spend on technology today, sir, what would you be buying?
2: A HoloLens. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I'd find it, spend the whole five grand if I had to. I'd buy it just because I want to I wanna start playing with it. I want to you know, explore it and see what's available and what I can do with it. Indeed, indeed. I hope for five grand you can
1: buy ten of them.
2: That's what I oh, hope too. Uh, yeah. I, would, I would expect it would take me five grand just to find someone that would sell me one that wasn't supposed to.
1: <laughs> right, there's that. So you're not talking about the cost of it, you're talking about how much it costs to bribe someone.
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think they're
0: going to run out and not make enough and all that and have a shortage.
2: Let's hope don't they know. don't do what they did with the band. The band was really frustrating. It's a fantastic device and it was just almost impossible to get hold of. They still can be hard to get hold of in different places, but um yeah, let's hope that they don't uh, they don't do that. I hope that they're very careful with their um their their quantities and their their ability to fulfill um, I think that's one of the biggest challenges is making sure that fulfillment works because uh, there's a certain point between creating, you know, a fear, a flurry of wanting to buy it because you can't get hold of it and it gets exclusivity because of that and getting just disappointed because you couldn't get it for too long.
1: So I went out looking on the rumor sites for new hero phones from Microsoft and found uh, on Unleash the Phones from earlier this month talking about a couple of prospective high-end Lumias, one called City Man with a 5.7-inch display. At some point, this is a tablet. Eight-core processor, three gigs of RAM, and a removable battery. And then there was a lower-end unit called Talkman with a 5.2-inch display and a six-core processor and three gigs of RAM.
2: Wow. See, those sound to me like they'd be fantastic devices for something like Continuum.
1: Yeah, and they, and sounds like to be released in the Win 10 timeframe. And there's 64-bit cores.
2: Yeah, and see, see, that's what you'd be looking for is basically turning to your phone into your computer. Now, let's hope those cores stay cool because I really don't want something that hot next to my ear.
1: Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, or really. in your pocket, for that matter.
2: Or in your pocket, yeah, exactly. The background has nice. yeah. a hole in my jeans.
1: <laughs> and admittedly, it is just a rumor
2: site, but you know, I think I'd get one. Yeah, oh, definitely, if I could. I mean, I'm I'm really excited to finally get a phone with a terabyte of space. My phone's only got 160 gigs, and I'm always aching for space on it. Only. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's amazing how how greedy we get about about uh, storage space uh, quickly.
1: But I'd also think that I would not want them to release these phones. Until Win 10 was out, like put them out the same day with the new Win 10 uh, phone.
2: You know, I think that I would want them to go out not when Win 10 was out. I want them to go out when Win 10 Service Pack One was out.
1: <laughs> Don't be cynical now.
2: <laughs> no, no. I uh, but honestly, you're gonna. It doesn't matter, and you know as well as I do. If you've been in software for any more than a couple of years, you know that it doesn't matter how much testing you do. Once it hits general availability, there's stuff that's going to be found.
1: Yeah, but the service pack is dead, man. It's just going to be streaming updates that's, now. That's, that's true. There, there, there's not going to be more versions of Windows.
2: That's true. That's true. I don't even know why they call it Windows 10. They, want, they just call it Windows. Well, they
0: have to differentiate it from the other versions that everybody's got. You know, it's the curse of Microsoft, backward
1: compatibility.
0: It's a blessing and a curse.
2: Maybe they should have called that Microsoft Edge then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Too many products. They, they really did overload us with
2: announcements.
0: What do you think of the Raspberry Pi 2 running Windows 10?
2: I think that's awesome. I think that that when we're seeing we're starting to see much smaller computers, we're starting to see exactly how how streamlined how thin this OS is and can be. It's it's quite interesting to see what they've done. Um I I really love the idea of being able to throw, you know, Windows 10 and I mean it's going to have to be able to to run on these $9 computers, too, right?
0: Yeah, that's that would be amazing. In fact, you know, I I posted a link to it uh, on Facebook, and John Waters came back with, "Okay, Steve Teixeira, when can I debug this from Visual Studio?"
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's exactly what needs to happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I I'm thinking about an eight core processor in my phone. It's mm. just yeah. insane. Like, maybe we will have enough horsepower that that just becomes the PC you carry everywhere.
2: Well, exactly. And think about think about how crazy we thought it was when the first Android phones came out with dual-core processor, and you're thinking, why would you need more than one core in your, in your phone?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Anytime somebody says, why would you ever need, that's a good indicator that you're going to someday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the most interesting thing I noticed in that rumor site was this idea that there were removable batteries.
2: I think that's going to be vital, I mean. I think that that's the idea idea that leads to a sustainable device as your PC scenario. Um, One of my biggest problems with the new laptops that come out is mostly once the battery is wrecked, you basically throw away the computer because it's so expensive to replace the battery. I like the idea of removable batteries, I always have. Well, in order to make a removable battery,
1: it has to have a solid container around it. The biggest thing you find, especially in the Ultrabooks, is they're actually soft-packaged batteries because they're trying to get as much battery in the space.
2: Oh, yeah, they're literally molding it around everything. So it's yeah. it's not a shape. It's basically just everything that's not computer is battery. All
0: right. So here's something that I brought up on Windows Weekly, which is, first of all, I love Windows phone, the OS. I love using it. I love it. It's got the best navigation. It's got the, the contact uh, centric hub is wonderful. I mean, there's just using the phone and I've had them all and I still have them all. And it's just the best. Now, if you want to talk about, you know, what would make it compelling to join the, the ranks of Android and uh, iOS in terms of numbers, would be able to have that experience, but to be able to run these other apps. And I'd, in order to do that, yes, you can compile Java code. That's an Android app on, in Visual Studio, and you can deploy that. But wouldn't it be great if, and somebody said that you could already do this, but wouldn't it be great if you could take what you send to the Google Play Store, you know, which is Java bytecode, right, and yeah. upload that to somewhere on Windows, have them decompile, dehook, you know, automatically, kind of rewire your app to work on Windows, and then poof, it's there in the Windows Store.
2: See, the, the issue with that, though, ends up being the services and the sensors and the different things like that, because um, implementation of those things are done differently on each platform. There's not enough commonality across the platforms for everything to work exactly the same way.
0: But wasn't there an Android OS-based Windows phone at one point? Wasn't there? Or there were plans for It was last year. Microsoft planned to make an Android-based phone.
2: It was an Android-based phone, yeah. But I mean, it was—you would have to put – basically be running an Android virtual machine.
0: Well, what if it was just running Android and they redid the shell to be the Windows Phone shell?
2: Uh, there's there's too many other things going on in Android. Um, Android as an as an OS, there's there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, that you're saying that Microsoft should just build a shell for Android.
0: Yeah. What I'm, what I'm saying. That's right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Because, because that shell to me is what makes the experience of Windows phone really great as an end user. You know, as a developer, we love the development aspect of it, but, but it's the, it's the OS. It's the usability of it that I love.
1: Yeah. And the OS isn't worth anything anymore, right? Like the OS itself. It just doesn't matter. It's the services and it's the shell. So, if you took an Android core, you know, maybe the Cyanogen core, and you put – you created a shell that looked like Phone, and you mapped it to all of the Microsoft services, like, would you even know that I – that that's not actually Windows Phone all the way down as a user?
0: Would you care? I don't think users care. They just want to be able to run the apps that everybody knows and loves, right? Hmm.
2: Yeah, but then there's – I mean <sighs> – then there's there's issues with security concern and things like that. That I mean, it would be Android, so it would basically be it would have all all of the restrictions and the other issues that Android has. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I mean, that's that's sort of where where I would and as a developer, I I just I wouldn't if they did if they did that. I would just go find something else to do. Um, because I'm not interested in doing Android development. I've had too many of my projects that I did on Android just end up. Stolen and decompiled, and and it just seems to be too easy to do. Yeah, I can't argue with that. It's too prevalent. I mean, even even recently, there's been a few reports out that um, in the last year, iOS, even though it has a third of the market share, Apple paid Apple develop or paid developers of iOS apps almost thirty five percent more than the, than Google paid all the Google developers, mm. all the developers of Google apps. So, I mean. You've got you know one third the market share, but you're, the developers are making more money. If there was a if there was a platform, I was going to emulate it would be iOS. It wouldn't be Google. Yeah. Not 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 in the, in the interest of developers and and you know, the public and you know. There's I think that we're going to find that there's going to be more concerns with Android. Personally, going on going forward. Well, there already are.
0: One of the reasons that I stopped using my Android phone was it just got hacked too many times.
2: It's just there's just too much mess there, and I think that what they're going to find is that unfortunately, Android or Google is pushing themselves into the position Microsoft will to Windows, Windows Mobile, where they're going to have to literally cut the cord and go. Okay, here's the new version of of Android, and nothing else will work previously. And now here's the new restrictions, and here's the new things because it really is sort of a wild west where there's a lot of a uh, lot of crap going on. Um, it's the only. It's the only. Real platform that's virus has a virus issue or, or known, known issues with virus and, and data loss and different things like that. I mean, yeah, iCloud gets hacked every once in a while, but it's usually the same kind of hacks that can happen for any system because it's usually, um, security weaknesses, right? Which is mm. usually the people, right? Um, it's, it's, you know, uh, putting the right scenarios or the right, uh, procedures in place for handling security. And, and you know, educating your users. That's sort of usually what ends up happening when with iCloud hacks or other things like that. But where Android sort of differentiates is Android actually getting hacked. Like people are actually hacking and there's Trojans in software that are going out to the store. And I think that the volume of apps that they have, it's almost impossible for Google to properly curate, them, especially when they're really not making any money from the devices. The devices are still costing them money. So... I mean, I, 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 just, I just think that that wouldn't be the direction I would want to go if I was anybody like Microsoft or anybody else.
1: I just wonder if Android's going to give up on, or if Google's going to give up on Android. It's not making them any money. You know, it is creating an awful lot of liability for them or, and trouble for them. Like at some point, you just make a break and create a Chrome phone.
2: Well, and that's what I'm saying is they'll probably do what Microsoft did with Windows Phone, where they they basically cut the cord and go, okay, well that one, unfortunately, that's not going to work. Uh, when Microsoft sort of broke away from the Windows Mobile and went to Windows Phone, um, that's what they did. Um, I think their their big issue was um, sort of the execution of it. Uh, right. With there was a, there were a lot of issues with execution and I mean the funny
1: part is Google's making the same set of mistakes that Microsoft made. Too many yeah. so much choice, letting the carrier sort of run rampant, yeah, that you've you've made a cesspool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it is it is a big dirty mess. Like I said, I, I've got friends I've had two I have situations where I had two friends who had the exact same phone from the same carrier and one person hated their phone but loved the other person's phone, which was the same phone from the same carrier. And because the the carrier changed the interface in between when the first person bought it and the second person bought it right well and And, and I,
1: i wonder how the carriers are responding to the outbreaks of malware and things and i gotta think you know they would do something like well if we just remove the play store we don't have that problem anymore
2: well but the thing is is that then you have then you have all these other stores and you know it's It's, it's a big mess. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, like I said, with windows mobile, when you had, when you're a developer, you had to put your apps on pocket now and hand and go and, you know, all of these different websites that were selling software. And then some software ended up off on pirate sites for free. And it, a lot of the, it's really funny. It's almost like Google looked at what Microsoft did and went, yeah, let's do that one.
0: Yeah. Right. (laughs) So, Atley, what's it going to take to bring up the uh, market share of Windows Phone?
2: I think that that a proper execution of um, of, of releasing Windows Ten properly. Um, I, I think that they there there's a lot of good ideas that they're using. They're you know giving it away for free for a year to try and help uh, promote uh, enterprises into getting it in. That's, I think, their biggest challenge right now is to try and get the enterprises off of Windows Seven and onto another. Um, platform. I think the biggest challenge they have, though, is making sure that users are aware of the store. Um, yeah. Personally, my biggest my biggest issue with Windows Store, not Windows Phone Store, has always been: um, I can write a fantastic app, put it on Windows Store, and uh, I talk to users six months later, and they didn't even know Windows had a store. Right. Um, yeah. And, 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 which is amazing considering it's usually put right in the front of the start screen. So you put it right in front of them, they still don't really seem to get that.
0: Um, Microsoft is touting that by the time Windows 10 ships, or maybe it was by next year, Richard, that they'll have 1 billion Windows 10 users in the market. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, those Windows 10 users are PC users. And yes, there are a lot of them. And, uh, but do you think that just by giving people the store experience on the desktop will necessarily, you know, then they'll see, oh, you know, we have this for the Windows phone too. Might be a good way to get people over to Windows phone.
2: I'm thinking so and I think I think sort of the um the execution of being I think that there was also talk of um of making sure that that users saw the store as the way to get their applications and their apps. Yeah. Um, uh, of both kinds, uh, for their devices. And I think that the unification of, of, of Windows, I, uh, people like to have, especially, especially, um, people that are not technophiles, um, they tend to like to have commonality. So if they're used to the Windows experience and I like the Windows experience, it does stand to reason that they're, they're going to be more inclined to buy. A Windows Phone it doesn't mean that it's going to immediately say that the market will jump by, you know, ten thousand percent. But it it will see a rise in the market. A lot of it, a lot of it has to go with how the marketing handles the push. And I find that that's usually traditionally Microsoft's biggest challenge is, um, marketing. Yeah. <laughs> and information dissemination. I think that they have a a big challenge ahead of them, and and uh, it's expensive to get users.
0: Well, and especially users that spend a lot of money. I mean, that's what Apple had the, you know, the the black turtleneck minions there, you know, that just went out to coffee shops and preached the gospel. So,
2: yeah. And and, I mean, Microsoft's got to do basically they've got to look and see what was done and then look at how they can do that and more. um, Because the things that Apple did to get started are not necessarily relevant or definitely not necessarily enough at this point. Um, you have to be able to get the word across and to be able to get the information out that, that Windows has definitely changed and that there is a lot more to Windows now than there was.
0: Do you think the devices themselves have anything to do with it? Like you think that um, buggy hardware or anything like that uh, is a problem? Or, I mean, I mean, all platforms have buggy hardware at certain times, right?
2: Buggy hardware is always a problem. But honestly, I think the big thing is is that it's just so popular to dislike Microsoft for so many reasons that nobody can even remember anymore. Yeah. I mean, they talk about Microsoft doing all sorts of dishonest things or or uh fighting um you know competition and this and that in the in the 80s and 90s and um you see all of the companies do things that and personally I was looking at I go oh my god that's ridiculous. Um, you see all sorts of, um, issues and lawsuits and investigations coming up against Apple and Google and everybody. I mean, um, business is a, business is a tough cutthroat thing. And, uh, all the way across, um, we all have, you know, things that we're not happy that, that, that any of them have done. But I think that what Microsoft really needs to do is, is get the word out. I, uh, You've got fanboys fighting for the other sides um, in droves. And uh, I think it's almost like you need the same thing on this side as well.
0: Well, you know, before you can have fanboys, you really have to have beautiful, amazing apps, right? I mean, that's that's what the iPhone's success is really all about, I think.
2: I think, I think that what Microsoft really needs is they really need to find apps that really shine that don't exist elsewhere. I mean, there are, there are people that will go out and buy a phone and go, well, I need to be able to play X game or Y game. That's fantastic. How about have something out there that came Windows first and is only exists on Windows?
0: Do you think they need to build them themselves?
2: Maybe, maybe they need to build it themselves or maybe they need to, you know, they need to, they need to go out and explore and find out who's doing some really interesting, innovative things. And there's lots of great developers out there that are doing some fantastic things. Um, for example, there's uh, one developer in Toronto that's actually doing something with, uh, small robots and Windows phone that and Windows that helps you sort of learn how to build robots and learn how to write code. And, you know, th- things like that that are, that are interesting. Now that that may not be a general public thing, uh, but it's definitely something that's, you know, eye catching and, and sort of can, you know, attract, um, the, the imagination. Mm. And and they need to showcase things like that more. They need to sort of, um, you know, do things like execute the band properly, get the band out there. The band's a fantastic device, and the software that they've got for it is is pretty good. Um, but uh, you know, they need to they, the number of people that I've showed my Microsoft band to that had no idea Microsoft had a band is amazing right. the number of times I've shown them people devices that they had no idea existed for Windows yeah it's, it's just staggering. so I mean I think that the big thing is getting the getting it out there, getting the information out there. One of the things that I found that that Android did that I think that really sort of helped them in their push was when Android first came out, you couldn't walk ten steps without someone trying to put a free Android device in your hand. Yeah, like there were all sorts of deals with phone companies and and television companies. And here, sign up for this bank account and you get a free Android tablet. Mm. Um, not necessarily saying that they go that route, but it was it was about making sure it was always there. Yeah, you couldn't walk around without hearing about Android somehow.
1: That was the carriers doing that. They wanted to push the Android device as much as possible because they had control over it.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, it's, uh, it's an interesting time, that's for sure. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, uh, we'll be building some killer apps, and we'll be watching you, Atley Hunter. <laughs> Thanks. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.